Hi there, we're listening to the children who could hear the spirits or see the spirits of the dead. Uh, the true story of the children who could speak with the dead timeline posted. Five words you pronounce wrong Five two words. years before your brain starts shutting down. Oh, Dementia really? is now on the. Let them come in and uh, do their reading. for the birds. We couldn't have any contacts with them whatsoever. We couldn't meet them or anything, so we left before they even came. Dr. Roll prescribed strict guidelines for the psychic. She was not allowed to meet the family. Nor was she given any information, even about the hauntings. The Wyricks were living in fear, plagued by dark figures. Their sleep disturbed by disembodied voices. They felt like strangers in their own home. They just tried to kill our kids. According to experts, the haunting had a scientific explanation, but such theories did nothing to stop them. At the request of Dr. Rowe, a psychic arrived at the Wyrick house. She brought an assistant to document her findings. The footage could later be compared um, to the family's claims. But I'm, what I'm seeing here is just so much, it's thick. It's like a wall of energy. And Amy Allen claims to have psychic abilities. She calls herself a physical medium, which is someone who can communicate with the dead. When I was a child, I didn't really understand that these these people were dead. Uh, they were just people that were around me. The first experience that I had as a child that I can recall uh, was not a pleasant one at all. I came into contact with these entities. It was a man and a woman. They would appear in my closet. They would talk to me for hours. About one what? night, they wanted me to come with them. And I didn't understand, being five years old, what that meant. Uh, so they wanted me to bite an electrical cord. So I bit the cord, got electrocuted. I associated that pain with them. I didn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. And I remember them, uh, that I would go to the bathroom and they would be down the hall on the wall and they would kind of peel down and look at me. And uh, it was there was a lot of fear. A lot of it took Amy many years to come to terms with her abilities. Now she provides assistance to families who are being tormented by unexplained phenomena. Families who have lost all control. At the Wyrick house, Amy felt a strong supernatural presence all over the property. She encountered an entity she referred to as the caretaker. I got yeah. simply 
the feeling that this person was attached to the property, was attached to the houses, was attached to the people. This entity was, in fact, very good. Uh, very good, gentle, uh, and was a protector. Guardian. Is a protector. Like I got initially a caretaker. While Amy sent spirits outside the Wyrick home, she encountered even more inside. The little girl was very solid, uh, to the point where I hesitated a moment and thought that she could possibly be living. And that is extremely rare. Up to this point, Amy had only sensed gentle spirits. But in the shadows lurked a powerful and menacing presence. The first entity that I came into contact with that made me feel uncomfortable uh, was one that consisted of three different elements. Two being two deceased elements one being a younger male uh, that had basically no face. It was kind of blacked out, uh, kind of like a mask. I had never before ex experienced anything of this nature, and I didn't know what to make of it at the time. And the feeling around the this energy was very negative and uh, angry, and I was very uncomfortable. Check out somebody who lived in the basement. Amy's findings were eerily similar to what the Wyricks had been experiencing for years. She seemed to validate the family's claims. Several entities inhabited the property. Some were benign, but others were more sinister. Exactly what that thing is, and we'll just kind of let it go. We'll just kind of head down. While Amy embraced Dr. Rowe's findings, she also believed that spirits of the dead haunted the property, and that they were drawn to the Wyrick family. There are several different factors influencing the situation. One of the factors is the location. It has a high energy reading. The second is that both mother and daughter are mediums. They both have abilities. The family could not just move um, and expect nothing more to happen to them because of the fact that they do have these abilities. Um, things will happen periodically throughout their lives. Uh, it's not something that you can just escape from. After Amy finished reading the house, she presented her findings to the family. I do not believe that the Wyricks are plagued by demons. These entities that come through that are dark or negative in any way tend to be um, people that were not great people in life. Uh, they were angry. Uh, you know, I've run into serial killers. I've run into, you know, murderers, rapists, so on and so forth. And they were very angry, obviously, in life. And they're still angry in death. And the interesting thing is, is that on investigations, I've noticed that they can manipulate how we perceive them, basically feeding off of our fear. But Lisa believed that the spirit described by the psychic as angry and agitated was demonic. She was terrified of what would happen. Oh.
Andy. Andy. consulted another psychic who shared her religious faith and claimed to have the power of discerning demonic activity. He said he could sense spirits but was unable to Exorcist. see or talk to them. The moment he entered the house, he detected a powerful entity. It's as if I can just sense his presence. Like right here? <laughs> it's been more right around this area right here. But this is the strongest? Yeah, right right around here. But it's it's not like it's it resides right right here. This is where it's sensitive. And it's as as if it's as if you're passing by somebody. As if you're what? Hands up, busy. As he entered Lisa's and Andy's room, he sensed the demonic spirit growing stronger. It's all over. I feel it right here. This is re, uh, what do you call it, reenacted, right? Right here. It's as if I'm, it's right this way, right here. It's like going this way. In Heidi's room, the medium also sensed a demonic presence. It felt less heavy, as if something was struggling against it. Another spirit, a protective one, seemed to be in control. When I come through that door right there, I can sense it. I, I just sense a presence. I, you know, it's it's very strong in the in. This room right here, and as you walk in, the closer you get to that wall over there in that corner, it kind of subsides. Jordan's room, in contrast, felt peaceful. But as he approached the doorway, he sensed a spirit trying to get in. Right here. Sense what? Right here. I can sense a demonic spirit. Yeah, baby. The medium advised Lisa to consult her pastor. Back the next exorcist. prayer and fasting, huh? he felt confident they could loosen the stronghold the spirits had on the family. Everything he said was exactly what they had told us. Get out they had of the same feelings. 
in the same exact spot, right in front of the fireplace, basically. No, welcome here. That would be the um, entryway from one room to the other. Don't piss off. Claim it. Have the ceremony there. Sage. I just don't know what to say. Where's the sage, man? Lisa and Andy were at their wits' end. The psychics had confirmed their worst fears, and they felt helpless. The question was how to make the spirits go away. Despite their ordeal, they were still no closer. Experts in the paranormal had brought them no relief. Then I just kind of hoped that it would get better over time. It didn't get any better. We're going to have our preachers pray for us. They turned to their pastor, Brother Stephen Shelley. It really stirred my curiosity. I told the church, this family, the Weirich family, is a part of us. Uh, their problems are our problems. That's how we do things around here. I, I know there are various approaches, although I, I have to confess, uh, I believe that it is demon activity. And I believe that uh, the only way that it's going to cease is to deal with the demons involved. Mm, it yeah. was something that they, they need were definitely ready to be oh. rid of. They wanted their normal life back, if at all possible. And I wanted to try to help them achieve that. Perhaps for anyone who's visiting here, doesn't understand what we're doing, we are anointing them with oil. I believe the gift that Heidi has is a gift of sensitivity to the spirit world. Unfortunately, if we're sensitive to good spirits, quite often we're also sensitive to the evil side or the darker side. I pray right now that if there be any spirit, any demon power that remains in that room or on their property, I challenge it now. Perhaps, Lord, the characters that Heidi first encountered were friendly, good-natured, wanted to play with her, to entertain her. her. Things certainly turned. The demonic manifestation of scratching her, scratching her father, that was the demon showing his real nature. I see some new shining gates open. I promise you this is not the, for the sake of being seen. 
This is for the sake of that someone's was just a life and in there. sanity and peace. This is serious business for me. I see how the enemy has desired to cause you to withdraw yourself, to draw up into a shell because of the moments of feeling misunderstood, because of the moments of feeling afraid. There are two very powerful forces in the world, the forces of good and the forces of evil. And I believe that all things that happen are, are motivated by one of the two. I didn't realize that there was hurt involved. We're back with the back. Mitt. Children, children who could, children who can see the spirits documentary. Right, <clears throat> we're back with the true story of the children who could speak with the dead. Online, what I never thought about there being hurt and pain involved in all of this, but I saw that hurt. I, I never thought of this either, but there has been some guilt in her mind, as though she could help it, as though she brought this trouble on her family. I want to tell you, honey, that's not true. Don't you ever feel guilty about it again. It has nothing to do with anything you've done or haven't done. Let your love and your peace cover her. Oh, that's good. Oh, I just stuck away from it. They told themselves 
we're not going to win. story of January 6th. What is Many it? people have asked that question. Some people have described what happened on that oh day Is that really right? Our reporters at the Epic Times spend the whole year investigating. The results are this special report. In it, you will find exclusive interviews and analysis, as well as reporting based on new police body wow. cam footage and internal FBI documents. Isn't this, this kind of like evidence of the most uh, comprehensive overview more? yet of what really took place that day. And now, tactics. for a limited time, you can obtain your free copy of this magazine when you sign up to the Epoch Times, which is $1 for two months. You will get this beautifully designed magazine delivered to your home, absolutely free, with no shipping costs. When you own this magazine, you can read for yourself the real story of January 6th, as well as share this magazine with your friends and family Mercy to has let a them germ, know what uh, really happened. Russian this is your opportunity to <laughs> own a piece of history. Hmm. Just like a, a Trump NFT. Trump cards. Hey, let's invest in Trump cards. Ha 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 ha. If you are a professor, then stick with me I for am. 20 seconds. What if I told you that there was a proven system to help you get a steady stream of paid opportunities, even if you are a brand new speaker? What's up, y'all? Brittany here with the Speaker Lab, and I am here to tell you that that system oh, yeah. does right, anyway, so it is called the speak framework and it is the same <laughs> system that we have used to help thousands of speakers party, earn party, thousands dude. of dollars in speaker fees all while having consistent speaking opportunities and we want to tell you all about it so click the link on this video to sign up for our free live Oh, we have one more thing. This is completely live. So come ready with questions. Be ready to get involved in the chat. Big on the condiments, are you? Just be ready, and let's get you booked and paid to speak. That's okay. I mean, it's a good basis for which to add a couple con condom ints. Yeah, they're I like a like a little one a couple pickles. They had to find a way to stop Just on my burgers. I'm out of Wi-Fi. Oh, shit, the pad They sought refuge in their faith to shield the family from demons. Their pastor, Brother Shelley, anointed them in a ceremony at the church. I do not believe in ghosts. I believe True story of the children who could speak with the dead. That's cool. Yeah, it's a gift. 
burnt. It's also uh, runs in families. Mm -hmm. It could be more sensitive mm -hmm. to it. The spiritual world. I think working with satellites and stuff, I think that might have made you even more sensitive. No, to, more sensitive then. To energy? I didn't know what I was feeling. I did. I could hear a ring all the time. Hmm. But I was able to communicate over it. General would come. General would come. Or captain, or major, or lieutenant colonel. Put them in the private place, sit in my office, and they can talk on the phone because everything in there is like you can't hear outside of it, it's all mm -hmm. encrypted. Mm -hmm. We got a switch right next to me, like the, you know, the guy who's plugging in the plug. Is it like padded wall? I mean, like mm -hmm. padded walls? Full of equipment. Steel walls or whatever? Mm hmm. Like a bomb shelter in there, full of equipment, both mm -hmm. sides. Both sides, front, almost, you know, pull the door down. The, only, the door is the only part that didn't have equipment on it. Hmm. Mm. Right. Power supplies. Four of them. That should have been putting out radiation, killing me, probably. <clears throat> killing you softly. Yeah. With These things go, when you start them up. It sounds like a fucking x-ray machine. Something's spinning in there. <clears throat> Something's spinning. Mm. You got all four of them going? Hey, they, um, they found a hall of, uh, a hall of records mm. for Atlantis off the coast of, off the coasts of Florida and Cuba. What kind of record? In stone or mm. pepper? It's um um twenty feet under the water, which is divable. Mm. And uh, and so it looks like it was a uh, temple. A what? Temple. Temple. Hall of Records. And was in the Bahamas? Yeah, it's um Yucatan, edge of the Yucatan where it meets the Gulf Stream. Oh, that's um. Uh, the triangle. Bermuda. Uh, that's where the Bermuda Triangle mm -hmm. is? Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah, the, the Bermuda Triangle. Maybe they should be looking into that because from all the shows I watched on Gaia, apparently there's a pyramid. Have you watched the thing about them? Under there. About that? About the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. People, you know, their, their instruments don't work there. Uh-huh. There's, some sort There's of apparently phenomenon. a pyramid. There's a pyramid under there. That's maybe, maybe a big magnet. Maybe it's where all the magnet drained off. And they found a full-on um, spaceship and uh, <laughs> what? Um, what? I want to say a Greenland. Wasn't it Greenland? Mm, I heard about because that. Because of the uh. Before. Ability to hide stuff. Is that a Government? UFO researcher or something? Ability I can't to... believe your followers didn't follow. Where's your followers? Uh -huh. 
Guess they didn't um, get the memo. Right. <laughs> My disciples. <laughs> so look at the front now. It's sharp. Right on. Oh. I've been wanting to do that so bad. <laughs> this looks like junk when you pull up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the neighbors didn't deserve it. <laughs> we don't well, deserve it. Well, their, their place is pretty tidy. Oh, it was for, um, was really unsettling for a long time. The, 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 the neighbor guy? There. You said about the um, one with the tweaker or, or the Fernando? Uh, the the nice nice ones. <laughs> Fernando? Yeah. Uh -uh. The um, Veronica. Oh. Um. Yeah. Something. Something. I got that. Stop giving me. She stopped giving it to me like and she was on my she was on my my um Snapchat. I mm. seen her one day. Mm -hmm. Like she popped up on her on her GPS. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know I had friends in her. And then boop she and then after that little incident thing, mm -hmm. she got oh. huh. <laughs> uh, her husband probably seemed like you talking to him. <laughs> Think about yeah, it. Could you be, know. Could be fun. Yeah, for sure. Why'd you friend him? Huh? I didn't mean. To, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm saying. I, I had no like idea. That's even. what maybe he said. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. I just, you know, like I, we go through there sometimes. You're just like, hey, friend, friend, friend. I, I don't even know Snapchat that well. I don't. It's not one that I use all the time. But but now I get it down. I sent, I sent a snap out today. I was in the car and it said ice instead of the temperature. It said ice and then the time. And so I was like, oh my god. Did I fucking wake up in Denver? And I put it up for, you know, just like made a video of hmm. the, the, the flashing of the ice and, and then the date, you know, and then the time. Hmm. I say, fuck, I gotta see where I'm at. I don't even know where I'm at. I think I'm hmm. in Denver. Because it was, it was like, there was, it was 28 degrees this morning. Yeah, there was ice on the dog food. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think those, I think those things over your, over all your birds is doing great. That's keeping them warm in there. Hmm. That keeps, it keeps a lid on it. That, so the dew doesn't settle on them. That's what makes it cold. That's hmm. what freezes. The dew settles. You can't settle on that. It's mm. good. You're talking about the um, oh yeah the tarps and all that in that yeah. area. Yeah. Mm. Um. Uh, so I got a I got invited to go what to see the Christmas first? lights or something tonight. Mm. So I'm gonna go. We go uh, six thirty. But I was like, I don't know. I'm not. It just depends on how much I guess. Still got more to do. If I can't finish, I can't finish. I, I got the trailer up that way. So I think I'm gonna go around the loop. And then that way I could pull forward and then kind of have it have it backwards up, you know, up the hill. It's not that heavy right now as the other one, the other load was, but I couldn't, I didn't want to drive up the hill, then I'd be stuck there. So I'm going to go that way around there and unload it and make it, make a pathway, you know. I'm going to get mine and then get this because, and then I'm going to come up there and get that one. I might have Is it. Is it hard to back it up to the? Yeah, it's hard either way. It's hard right now. That's, I'm already too much weight on it for me you to can't, do it. You can't hook it up to your truck on either end? Well, if if you guys help me, like if we put two if we put two ropes on it, and you guys actually pull me up the hill, like basically give me give me a little bit of just just your little bit of body strength of holding that. You don't have to be like, mm -hmm. you just get, you need to pull it with me as I go up the hill. I'll be I'll be able to make it up the hill, mm -hmm. but you'll just have to help me with a you know rope or a chain, and it will go up when it comes back. It can't go up right now, even just like it is right now. It's too heavy. All that shit's in the front. But I had to get rid of that stuff in the front. That, the, mm. the front just had to be done. I don't work too hard for that. That's like the last phase of it. It finally looks fucking complete. That's a complete job right there. But that took a lot of phases, man. How many? <clears throat> fucking 12, 15 phases? 
of that place up there, if not more, if not more, the fucking car was, the car alone was a hundred hours. Just mm-hmm. getting into those, you know, like getting all this and the stuff from under it and getting all that. Yeah, like, Uncle John's Yeah, like car. four hours at a time to get the garbage out. It was, Im- it was impregnated. Car. Yeah, it was impregnated with. Wasn't that a great move to just like. Get rid of them, purge them. Yeah. It felt it feels so much cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even, I'm like. I mean, it, man, they got them fucking even, cheap, yeah. man. I'm like, you take it. Just a good kid called, called me up. He goes, hey, man, um, you want you want to buy this back for me? I'm like, you know, buy, what? buy one of the vehicles back. I'm like, no, no, no. So let me explain this to you. When you buy a vehicle as is and all this, I say, you know, able to package deals. So, therefore, you got to figure out what to do with it on your end, my man. I said, I can't help you with that. I'm sorry. He's like, oh, you sure? Like, I don't want to, I don't know if I can get rid of, you know, do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like. You figure it out. You'll figure it out. I go, text me if you need, if you have any other questions, but I got to go. I'm not oh, hearing it. Are you talking about, not, sh- not Shitbird here, no, but man, the, the dude that came, you One helped. of the dudes that came and picked up, you know, picked up the vehicles. You know what I'm saying? He, he wanted me to buy it back we went from to him. Four, we went at 4 a.m. or whatever to see if the car was still there in the parking lot. That no, day. not that. Oh, well, yeah, that car. That, something uh-huh. like that. It wasn't that car. It was actually, it was actually his truck. He wanted to bring, he wanted to bring Shitbird's truck back. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh no no no! Oh right. Yeah oh. yeah no no. Why what no. what what happened? What he, he, he just because he thought that he thought that doing the abandoned title was too long. Or he's like guys, you know, like or he was looking at the engine too. Maybe he said something about that. He's like I don't I don't know. He was a, a questionable. I was like I didn't want to hear it though. I was like I wouldn't hear none of it. He was oh. talking about if it don't run, if it don't run or it don't work, it doesn't matter. Part it out. Sell the fucking tires. Sell the fucking suspension. Mm-hmm. You guys, what? That's your. I said you're a young man. Five hundred dollars. Yeah, do this whole. Do this. Do it, man. Do it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> and I hung up and I said, "Don't." You know, I didn't say, "Don't call me back." But I said, "Call me if you have any other questions that aren't." You know, like, "Will I take this or take that?" <laughs> Will I buy this back from you? The answer is no. <laughs> it's as is. And that's it, man. I want to hear it. Uh, and you just called out of the blue. To ask if he, if he could yeah like two weeks later that was like two or three weeks later after <laughs> you know and i'm like no man, let me give you some advice bro you're you're <laughs> doing the game tough it out sav it out you know take the parts take it off if not call a tow truck that's them right there you can hear them thursday when they're working right there oh, yeah, that was me no, it's weird having them over you know like now you know now the voices are right there you know <laughs> but i always annoyed them <laughs> But the, you see what he's doing. You see what he's doing now. You see what he's building now, like a fucking solid frame. But he put the wood on the right side. He put the pipe on the right side. Mm-hmm. He's telling down there. He's protecting that area. He's protecting that area. I know. I feel it. I feel it. I know. I know. He, he's always. He's, he's, he's been very protective over that part of that fence right there. So there's something that comes up on over there. We'll see the gas bill. We'll see what it's like. I'm gonna look at the bills from the day you came. I got this. I mean, it's near us stealing some utility, but I, I, would, I would hate to have that kind of you know shit between the neighbors. You know what I mean? If you make your bill right, you think about how long you've been doing how long you've been doing that for, like all these years. Like even you know we're talking big, you know like like not just on the here and there, but you know like it's a big thing. It's a big thing. It's a two. It's a really actually a very disrespectful and nasty thing to do to a neighbor. You know, but I've seen it in California. Oh yeah. I've seen it in California many times. I've gone to houses and I'm like, there are power problems. I'm like, your breaker's not in this box. The breaker's in the other box. You know what I mean? Like stealing power. So I got a breaker over there, stealing it from the fucking, you know, from the from the uh, landlord or for, from the landlord or from the landlord to the tenants. Mm. I've seen it both ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
doing it, then, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I guess it is, you know, that's, that was the one thing about, about whole, my whole gig of growing. First day I came, I didn't know nothing, you, you know, you can't use that as an excuse for anything, but, you know, they tap, tap the, like you had here, like, these are easy tap, you're in, you can get as much as you want, people probably have done mm -hmm. it. Tapped into the electrical. Uh huh. Yeah. Get free electrical. No uh -huh. charge. Why? Go in the box and, t and just tap into it before the, before the meter. Hmm. I see. That's elementary. Elementary. You just wear some rubber gloves and you like hook it up in there. I'm not scared of electrical. But that box scares me because it's falling apart. It needs to be done something about it some, at some point. We need to get a new box, a new main breaker, and pull that thing up. It's dangerous. It is dangerous as long as nothing can go through there. The dogs made it worse, you know. They've knocked the face off the fucking thing, hmm. off your electrical up there. It's got to be done at some point, you know. Oh. But I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's tapping. What is he protecting over there? Here you go. I was like, you need some help? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Like, you know, I just try to give people a chance, you know, like. But when I, but when I find out something like that, it would be very disturbing to me. Like it would be very, like, like a, uh, it's a little bit much, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a line that comes. You know, think about this. That line that comes out the back over there, under the, there's a, there's a. I don't know what that line is. It's, I think it's electrical, not, not just water. I think it's electrical. That line that runs by the fence. There's a line that runs by the fence. It's a pipe. It's a pipe. It's over there by the, by the back, back, back gate. And there's a line. You see it run along the fence, and then it goes underground. There's water. There's water up up there. I know there's water up there, but mm -hmm. that but it comes from somewhere different. I don't know if it comes from that pipe. Hmm. But that, you know what I see? It's on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, you right down there, you have a you have a septic down there, too. Is there, so, is there so they cord? say. There's a septic there. It could be an underground fucking passage. Just like, just like you said. You, you ever, have you ever, ever sit in your house and you feel like, you feel like things are shaking, almost like a little minor earthquake? Mm-hmm. Huh? How often? Yeah. I feel it all the time. Huh? I feel it like, I, I feel it at night. Like right now, I don't feel it. I know. I don't feel it. I think I'm crazy when I have to look at a bottle. I'm thinking, is it the wind blowing me around? It'd be calm as fuck outside. And I feel rumble. And I look at the water and the water's barely moving too. Like, 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 people are down there, some, something down there, like a little small earthquake, like just a, a consistent mm -hmm. rolling, just, it doesn't stop for like an hour or so, I feel it, I feel it for like an hour, and then, and then it, and it just goes away, I don't feel no more, but that's crazy, you know, that's cray cray, cray cray for the baby, where's my snooty? I was <laughs> Got your fill for the day. Uh, maybe you want one of this here. Is there maybe. a backup smoothie? Here. How about that? What aloe. That? Strawberry mm. aloe. Oh. It's really good. Alright. Open it up. Mm. Try it right now while it's cold. You can't let it get warm. It tastes like shit. It tastes terrible. <laughs> Try it right now. Here, hard take get, this one. It's hard to get warm. Here. When, uh, Drink this one right now. It'll make your stomach feel, make your stomach feel like perfect. Oh, it's kind of mm, slushy. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Get around the verge of that slushy. Huh. When you open it up, it hits air. Mm. Top. I don't like to drink the whole thing like I do. Mm. 
once I open it, I drink the whole fucking thing. Okay. I don't like anything sitting like that. Creeps me out. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Alright. I'm gonna do some refurbishing. Okay. Refurbishing. Catch you later. Oh, is this, is this mine? Who's down here? Oh, that was for you, yeah. Cool. Go ahead. Did you made it with the uh, marshmallows? Yep. It's <laughs> good. It's good. It's got the chocolate Cheerios in it. Mm-hmm. Hi. Rice Krispie Treats. ASMR. The hashtag Comfort America. Heal America. That this was the work of demon spirits. From the beginning. The Wyrick family was targeted. They were marked by evil spirits and until they're ultimately cast away from them and driven away from them, these demons will follow the Wyrick family wherever they go. But according to medium Amy Allen, rather than shielding themselves, they needed to accept and understand what was happening to them. I believe that there are deceased entities, people, at the location. So what you have is an extremely active location where the mediums, the mother and daughter, are going to be having experiences because the deceased people are attracted to them. Mediums are a type of beacon uh, for the dead, almost like a light in a pitch black room. Uh, and they're just attracted to that light. 
Heidi is a physical medium. The way that she describes the events that have happened to her uh, click very much so with what physical mediums deal with, uh, which is physically seeing and hearing those who have died. Parapsychologist William Roll believes Heidi's sensitivity to place memories is the cause of the haunting and that she must accept her <laughs> She must accept what? Many people are, are convinced that all experiences are evidence of life after death. In a case such as the body case, at least fragments of deceased individuals continue to exist. If you are psychic, you will have an additional mode of perception. So for people who uh, allow this to happen in their lives, they are at an advantage over the rest of us. Heidi displayed psychic abilities, psychic sensitivity. This is partly genetically based because her mother and grandparents also have reported experiences like this. The Wyricks know they'll never leave normal lives, but they hope to one day find peace. I think about it all the time. I mean, I lay down at night, and I sit there and lay there, you know, and I'm just wondering, you know, is something going to happen? And I just finally go to sleep and nothing happens. But if that's what it takes for me not to see nothing is to have to think about it all the time, I guess I just have to think about it. Having faith is the biggest part of it. You just have to have faith that things are going to get better. You just have to go on. I don't feel that that I want to move anymore because I'm not going to let the, I'm not going to let it win win me out, make me move out of my own home. You know, I just have faith. I have faith in the Lord that you know that I'll be out growing. You know that it'll eventually leave us alone. That it has gotten better over the last several months. We don't have as many things happen now as we used to, but I mean, things do happen, you know, with me. With everything that I've seen, you know, being able to see things, I don't think it's a curse. I don't know if it's a gift or not. Now that I'm older, I just, you know, kind of kind of wish that you know, all of it would leave, you know, would leave me. I do have some things that has happened that I don't, you know, I don't even like talking to mama and about.
they know most of the things, but just, you know, some things, I guess, it's just, I'll probably just keep to myself. Talking about preparing her to be a assist. skills.
looked around the house, it had very large rooms. It was perfect. babies. Hmm. 
Yeah, this is the true story of the children who could speak with the dead. We've used every dime of money that we had saved on Paul's journey. And on renting this house and moving down here, we had no place else to go. Karen and Ed agreed. Look at this beautiful baby. Look at this wooden fluff. As sick as it was, did not be exposed to these things. about his own mortality or even the possibility of his death. So, don't let him in there. But as they passed the cemetery next to their
water with blood red. I mean, it was deep, thick red. It made my skin crawl. What's wrong with this floor? I started getting nervous that I was ruining the floor. him by name and I thought this was an inner voice I didn't believe he was really hearing someone call his name Fucking a. and I'm looking at my boy my sick boy he is so close to death that he can sense that this was a funeral home I didn't know what to think priest that had married my husband and myself and asked him to do a healing on Paul. Well, he put his hands on him and he prayed. Google Exorcist. <laughs> 
short time later, all siblings moved into the house, including his sister Connie and his youngest brother Mark.
Karen was feeling the stress of having the household alone. The only peace came at night when the kids were in bed. But in the basement, her sons weren't getting much sleep. Thank you. 
Bobby threaded going into the old morgue alone. What the fuck is that still doing in the in the house? Mom, I just heard a voice down in the basement calling for Paul. Where's the bread? In the freezer. I just thought the house was haunted. You hear a really deep, grimy voice. I didn't think I was going crazy. I didn't think my brother was going crazy. I think I thought it was something in the house. I thought Paul's got you scared to death, hasn't he? Sarah didn't believe the house could be haunted. She thought it was a past was futile. I didn't believe in ghosts. I believed in the spirit world, but I didn't believe that it could interact with our world. You never saw the exorcist. Of course, I didn't hear a voice calling from the freezer. And I kind of teased Bobby about it. He was adamant that there was a voice that called Paul. Karen's husband dad arrived later that morning. Paul told me that 
see things and he'd tell mom and dad and they say that it was his uh, illness so he wasn't really seeing anything that was part of the reaction to his medication. His mother thought his mental health was deteriorating. I didn't believe him, so I wasn't frightened. I was scared for him. I was concerned about his health. His mental health. He chose to ignore the subtle that something evil was working. Yeah. I noticed these crucifixes were disappearing. Never quite knew where they went. So what was disappearing? At night, the Parker children reported seeing ghostly apparitions in a house they knew was a funeral home. They were frustrated when their parents didn't believe them. Down, talking amongst each other, and it was, it sounded like four guys whispering, but you could still hear them talking. We didn't say anything.
They were here, all of them. Ed was weary of being woken up on a nightly basis. It's been a long night. It's been a long night. Get to bed. Upsetting. But they didn't believe us. Shit, that's mean. Not to believe your kids like that. The children were tired of not being believed. We just sleep with lights on. When something happened to one of us, we tell everybody because we need someone to hear us to let us know we weren't crazy. So we talk, we talk amongst ourselves, and that way. Don't feel like you're crazy because it's not just happening to you. That's where we got to strike from with each other because our parents didn't believe it. Karen was convinced Paul's medication was the cause of hallucinations. That he was influencing the younger children to see things as well. The next office visit I had with his oncologist, I asked him about it. He said that uh, there was no chance of him having hallucinations or delusions with the medication he was on. <laughs> <laughs> Medication's fault. Paul's behavior would make sense. But now it seemed Paul might have a psychological problem in addition to his cancer. The possibility of yet another medical crisis was too much for Karen and Ed to bear. Him and I both were working all the hours possible too. The medical bills were staggering. I mean, it was two inches stacked every day in the mail. Yeah, because we don't have Medicare for all. Apparently, they don't think we deserve that. He quickly isolated the cause. The children were keeping all of their lights on when they slept at night. Ghost stories caused Ed and Karen to lose sleep. And she was flipping the light switch on and off. 
when lights were coming on and off, on and off, even though there was no bulbs in it.
situation. While Paul seemed to be suffering from mental problems, his physical condition improved. I'd just like to see him back in the bathroom. But Paul seemed to take no joy in the astounding news. Cancer no longer a crisis. Karen took in her first house guest since moving into their new home. Her 17-year-old niece, Teresa. My mother and my father were divorcing. Just didn't work out too well, so uh, my aunt called and invited me to come be with them. We were pretty close. sweet kid to being angry. It's almost like he had this meanness coming over him slowly and was not a happy person. While Teresa was surprised by the changes in Paul's appearance and disposition, what he was saying concerned her the most. Paul would tell me about how he had heard things and seen things and uh, Aunt Karen and Uncle Ed did not believe him. He felt alone. He said it, it never got better. It always, it got worse. And it went from, you know, I heard this thing scratching on my door to this thing won't leave me alone. He's at my bed every night, and he's talking to me. He will talk bad about his mom and dad. I would talk bad about his little brothers and sisters, and it would tell him to go do bad things to them. The look in his eyes that you would see didn't seem like it was him. He was just not himself. I know what the problem is in this house. You are. You're just playing dirty little I know what's going on. It was like suddenly hate was a part of the household. Get out of here. 
You don't even know what's going on. How can you It doesn't matter. It's my house, and you're going to live by my rules. You understand what I'm saying? They were arguing at this point about Paul's behavior. Everybody's seen it, too. You're the only one that doesn't know what's going on. You've got them so scared, they're not going to say anything else. You can't even tell me what you walk away from this. Because he was just getting out of control. got stronger and meaner to him every time it came to him. Paul got to where he couldn't leave the room. He couldn't talk back. This demon would tell him, go upstairs and do something bad. walking around where they were dead and buried and they were all in our basement. He was told that this demon was going to do things to him if he didn't listen and do what he was told. Take Paul to a psychiatrist. We'll need him to come back in for some more tests to win our blood. 
The doctor was concerned about Paul's behavior and his writings. He suggested further counseling and therapy. Karen agreed. But it was already too late.
exhausted, emotionally drained, and I wanted to go to sleep. That's all I wanted. I kind of had this little nagging voice. What if this is real? What if this is going on? I wanted to believe that Paul wasn't going crazy. And I sat on the steps waiting for this man, almost hoping to see him. And I felt the fear and an energy that I couldn't explain. And I got very cold. I couldn't really see anything and I was looking hard as I could to see something. Freezing to death. She dared the evil that Paul said was in the house to show itself. It was a challenge to anything in the house. To leave my children alone. But I never saw anything. <clears throat>
Where's little Whitby? Huh? This time, they couldn't deny what they had seen with their own eyes. It was a horrible situation. It was just so frightening. I didn't think I was going to get out. So all I kept thinking is this is not happening. It's really my mind. You know, oh my, I'm going crazy.
Parker family was convinced they were under siege by a demonic entity that lived in their house. They called their priest and hoped he would arrive before it was too late. about all the supernatural things they've experienced in the house. Don't you remember? 
The rain moves like this. Starting to feel the presence of an entity. Lorraine Warren believes she has the gift of discernment, which is an extrasensory ability to detect spirits and supernatural phenomena. When I got downstairs, it was, it was just horrible. The infestation was very, very bad. And that thing that I'd chosen this house, that was no human spirit. It was overwhelmingly sickening. They considered that we had a doorway straight to hell in, the, in our house, and it was in the basement, and you couldn't see it, but, you know, physically could feel it. To remove the entity, the Lawrence told them, they needed the Catholic Church to officially sanction an exorcism. According to Michael Cunio, a professor of sociology and anthropology at Fordham University, the type of exorcism the Parker family needed is rarely counted. He's the author of the book, American Exorcism. True believers in exorcism will believe that, uh, t tend to believe that it's individuals who first and foremost are the targets of possession. But there's also a widespread belief that, um, uh, that physical properties, physical domains, houses, cottages, offices, and even individual rooms in houses can be infested or infected somehow by demonic presences. To help convince the church an officially sanctioned exorcism was needed, the Warrens contacted their chief researcher, John Zephyrs. For the researcher end of it, it's very important to go in there to be able to get these things documented. Learning them, seeing things happen, get the voices documented on your audio tape, witnessing these things. So they have the evidence at hand to be able to determine whether will be necessary. The Lawrence research team literally moved into the house to record evidence of supernatural activity. They relied on video, audio, and other sensing equipment to record their evidence. Someone, they were there, so one of, at least one of them was there 24 hours Listening to a true story documentary about children who can speak with the dead. Demonic possession. The Parker family asked the Warrens to explain what was happening to the person described the five stages of demonic possession. The first is called encroachment. And this is where the, the demon, the form of reconnaissance, or so to speak, to select some individual to invite them in.
second is infestation. Infestation is when they isolate the target. The third is oppression. The individual will become very violent to others. The fourth is possession, and that's when the individual loses total control of themselves. The fifth step is death. Karen asked why the entity chose Paul over the others in the family. When a family is under attack like this, and the one son who had medical problems, he would be the most vulnerable of all of them because of his medical condition, probably also his emotional state of mind because of the fact that he was diagnosed with a fatal illness. And it is always the most vulnerable member of the family that will come under attack first. were permeated in my skin. They were all the negative human emotions, anger, hatred, jealousy, distrust. And the one that startled me the most was hopelessness. The sadness was overwhelming for me. It was, it was such a sad place and such darkness.
when I got back to my body that said I'd been gone for eight hours. Bueno! The knowledge that I gained is that you have true evil in the world, and you have true good, and you have a choice. So you have to make a wise choice. The researchers stayed with the family until they had enough evidence to obtain a church-sanctioned exorcism. They got little rest. Researchers had mattresses that they were laying on, and you could see them breathing. They had a pulse and a heartbeat. I don't know why it made mattresses breathe or why it made them vibrate. I guess just to get your attention, like a, a spoiled child. John Zaffis had investigated dozens of paranormal incidents. But he had never encountered a demonic possession as strong as the one in the Parker home. Even those experienced felt vulnerable. How do you fight something you can't see? How do you fight something you can't grab? You can't go up to it like most of us would with our families to try and protect them. You can't see it. How do you fight it? seemed to prefer isolating its targets. John Zappos made the mistake of leaving the safety of the group. When I was jotting down the events from the day, it still me really cold. And I know when it starts getting cold, a lot of the energy is getting drawn. I started calling for anybody in the house. I was calling for the children. I was calling for the parents. Nobody was responding to me. And I knew this one particular incident was focusing some way just for me. What I experienced that night, I don't think I'll ever forget. suitcases full of sensitive equipment to record evidence of demonic activity. But all he needed were his own two eyes. The terrifying experience was forever seared into his memory. 
I would not go back onto that case and left the house. Did I get scared? That was the most scared I've ever been. I have never witnessed something since then to that degree and that intense. Ultimately, only one authority had to be convinced by the Warren's methods. According to Michael Cuneo, it was the most skeptical one of all. The Roman Catholic exorcism ritual is one of the only, perhaps the only, religious ritual in the world where the practitioner is counseled to adopt a posture of incredulity. In other words, the priest exorcist while undertaking investigation is supposed to do this from a position of skepticism. Rather than assuming that demons and evil spirits are present, the priest exorcist is supposed to assume that they're not present. Point. 
Hashtag scary, hashtag horror. Be very careful with this one. Thank you. 
baby. Skeptics would find other ways to explain it. There's a powerful, powerful expectation of healing during an exorcism. There's a powerful expectation that whatever your problems are, they will be taken care of. And so exorcism can be a very effective therapy, at least in the short term. We ask you to bless this water as we use it in faith. Forgive our sins. Save us all from illness and drive away the power of evil. Protect us always by the presence of your Holy Spirit. In the end, those who participated in the exorcism credited their faith with purging the entity from the house. It was as if someone opened the windows in the house. The sun came through the windows. It was so wonderful. The house was warm and it was comfortable and you were free. You knew you didn't want him to stop praying. You didn't want it to end. You wanted just to stay in that peace because finally, after nine weeks, you know, of fighting and hitting and being hit and touched, it, it was gone. You knew it was gone. What really happened in the Parker house is open to interpretation. Perhaps it ultimately depends on what one is willing to believe. We wanted to believe in one last domain of mystery. Here we have supernatural evil, absolute evil, locked in mortal, fateful conflict with supernatural good. That's the best theory you could possibly get. And so I think that there's a strong cultural openness to this because we don't want to live in a thoroughly disenchanted world, a completely secularized world, a world in which all mystery has been bled out. And so I think that this is one reason why the lore of exorcism lives on and why exorcism retains such a romance and such a mystique in our culture because it is one of the last true domains of mystery. To the believers, the exorcism was an unqualified success. The demonic spirit had left the house. Even so, the Parker family chose to move shortly after the ritual was performed. We moved out because uh, we didn't want to take a chance of somebody else opening the door that we closed. We had too many bad memories of the house. We had too many negative emotions attached to the house. Uh, my son and what had happened to him and all these negative things became attached to the house instead of the entity and we had to leave there.
It's a chapter of our life that everybody feels that is done and it's in the past. You might as well bury it and just leave it buried. And I believe this will probably be the last time I talk about it myself. Paul was released from the hospital in the spring. His cancer never returned. The family has moved forward with their lives, but still feel tormented by the horror they endured so many years ago. You should make decisions about your health. Some states are restricting access to reproductive care, making it hard to know how to access the care that is still available. Go to ReproductiveRights.gov to learn about your rights, health insurance coverage, and where to find services, so you can control your health and your future. Rods. That was pretty interesting. Whew. I just touched live Trump in panic modes. Yes, sounds great. He's in fucking panic mode. Against the Pulitzer Prize board, awarding the New York Times and Washington Post a Pulitzer Prize in 2018. Popak, what can the legal system do to just stop these frivolous lawsuits from even being filed in the first place? Don't answer now. Go ahead, I won't answer now. Go. Talk about it later in the podcast. Meanwhile, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, with a panel of two Trump judges and one Biden appointed judge weigh a critical, a vital issue in connection with the Department of Justice's prosecution of insurrectionists, and that's whether insurrectionists can be charged under 18 U.S.C. 1512, the obstruction charge. And the Trump judges, the Trump appointees, seem to be sympathetic to preventing the Department of Justice from using the obstruction charges as they have been using it to convict insurrectionists. Popak, let's talk about it on this episode of Legal AM. The felony obstruction charge. The January 6th committee is set to meet on Monday to vote on criminal referrals to the DOJ. And the subcommittee on criminal referrals is going to submit a report for voting on the referral of Donald Trump to the Department of Justice for criminal charges, including obstruction and in an insurrection. Does this have any teeth to it at all? It really doesn't, but let's talk about it because it does have symbolic value. Popak and I may have a different take. We will break it down for you here on Legal AF. A lot of action in the Dominion lawsuit against Fox in Delaware this past week with Rupert Murdoch being deposed and Dominion also filed a spoliation sanctions motion for Fox's destruction of emails and other text messages of its top reporters relating to the 2020 election and Dominion. Let's talk about what spoliation is, 
and what these sanctions could mean and the impact of Rupert Murdoch being deposed. Let's also talk about these loser MAGA Republican candidates from Arizona who have filed these frivolous lawsuits in the state, very reminiscent in kind of form and content and substance of the conspiracy-laden, vexatious, <laughs> and just completely ridiculous lawsuits that Trump had filed back in 2020. Let's talk about where those cases are right now. Um, and let's talk about, again, just like, how do these people, how are they even allowed to file these absurd um, lawsuits in the first place? And also, it's raining subpoenas from special counsel Jack Smith, who has sent subpoenas to state election officials across the country. It seems like Every day there is a new one that we learn about. This is Legal AF. We talk about the most consequential legal news of the week. I'm Ben Micellis reporting from Washington, D.C., joined by my good friend, colleague, and co-host, Michael oh, Popak. Michael Popak, how are you? Ben, I love the rundown. I was going to ask you about, for those that watch on television, I was going to ask you about your location there. Um I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're in DC. I can't think of a better group of people to be in DC than you and your brothers right now. And listening to your rundown, when you and I founded this show, we said there's just this interlinked intermeshing of law politics and litigation, and you just can't uncouple them. And that rundown, the unifying theme there is how suffused law and politics are. But we're going to break it down for you on this show. And Popak, I'm in DC. I can reveal. Me and my brothers were at the White House Christmas party on Friday. That's one of the reasons I'm in D.C. And so um, it was really a time to reflect on just how blessed we are, how fortunate we are. We've started with a vision of speaking the truth with literally five followers, all our family members. That was about it. Um, and we probably had to convince some of them to, to, to join and in me. the first place because they didn't know what we were doing. Plus, I was oh, the plus one. Popak was there when we had about six followers, and he goes, this is a rocket ship, Ben. And I was like, oh, okay, if you say so, I, I appreciate the confidence. Visionary. I'm a visionary. Popak's a visionary. And so we're just so blessed that we've come a long way supporting democracy, promoting democracy, and being able to be there um, and see all of the rooms. It's credible, and none of it is possible um, without the support of all of the Midas Mighty out there. Um, and of course, you, Michael Popak, and all the others who make this show possible. Um, let's talk right about, start, start by talking about Trump's most frivolous lawsuit yet. I mean, like he's filed a lot of frivolous lawsuits that he's been sanctioned for. How can for? you choose just one? I mean, we can talk about the one from March where he filed this bizarre RICO, this racketeering lawsuit against like 30 individuals, including Hillary Clinton, were saying mean things about him and his connections with Russia. It was time barred by the statute of limitations. As the judge described it, the uh, federal judge from the Southern District of Florida, like it was just the rantings and ravings and just collections of a maniac. And I don't think the judge used those exact words, but pretty close to it. Um, uh, Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba, was already sanctioned on that one. I think the judge said like, Literally everything in this is false, including like just making up that like this guy was like the head of the DNC. He's like, he's not the head of the DNC. Like, he literally just made up everything. You say he lives in New York. He lives in Virginia, you know, and even like when one of the litigants would approach Trump's lawyer and be like, 
state, I don't have the job you claimed I had. Like, everything else is basic. But just so everybody understands, when you and I sign a pleading, in federal court especially, but in any court, as officers of the court, we're supposed to have done minimal due diligence to get basic facts correct. Now, she wouldn't have gotten sanctioned. We're not suggesting that Alina Haba, and people know our healthy criticism of Alina Haba, but we're not saying that because she didn't get a one or two small facts right or wrong, she, the judge threw the book at her. But as you said, in 200 paragraphs, the judge said basically everything that you've written here is, um, is not credible and is false. So this one, Trump's been talking about Pulitzer like forever. He's obsessed with Pulitzer. We did a video on the Midas Touch Network where we showed a collection of every time he like, the Pulitzer Prize! I hate the Pulitzer Prize. You know who they should give the Pulitzer Prize to? Dan Bongino! They should give the Pulitzer Prize to Dan Bongino! He also called for, in 2015, when he was running, for the National Enquirer's, Enquirer's story that Ted Cruz's dad killed JFK. He said that the Pulitzer should have given their award to the National Enquirer for that story in the press <laughs> conference where he spread that conspiracy. By the way, Ted Cruz is like, what can I do for you, Donald? I, you can call my wife ugly, call my dad the killer of JFK, say that I'm a murderer, but please, 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 let me help you overthrow the United States government. But I digress. Popak, tell us about this Pulitzer Prize <laughs> lawsuit that he filed in Okeechobee County. I know where it is. Uh, that's why I'm throwing it to you. A, a, a county of 40,000 people that probably has no relation at all to this case. It doesn't have any relationship <laughs> at all. And I have a feeling many, or if not all, of the Pulitzer Prize board that's been individually sued, including some of the most illustrious names in journalism who happen to sit on the board, who have been sued individually, most of which have zero connection with the state of Florida, let alone Okeechobee, and will likely be able to have this case dismissed for lack of personal jurisdiction or improper venue, meaning the courthouse. Where's Lake Okeechobee? Where's Okeechobee County? Pardon me, Ben, I have a little bit of a cough this week. Now, <laughs> you had it last week, I have it this week. If you go up into a if you go into a satellite and you look down at the state of Florida, there's a big hole towards the top quarter. That's Lake Okeechobee. Um, you can actually see it from space. And this is a county, a relatively rural county that used to get a lot of its revenue in the sugar industry, as you can imagine, um, has zero connection to Donald Trump, who at best lives in Palm Beach County on the East Coast, which is 80 miles from the center of Okeechobee County. Um, so he has no connection there. He has no property there, no interest there. The law firm that's representing him in the case, and yes, he got another law firm, not the law firm that filed the case against Letitia James in, in uh, Southern District of Florida, now in, in front of Judge Middlebrooks to stop her investigation, not that firm. He found another firm in Fort Pierce, which is also not in Okeechobee. It's up 95 from West Palm Beach at the top end of it. He obviously wanted to get as far away from J Don Middlebrooks, the judge that already threw the book, as you so eloquently outlined, at him for filing that other political screed that had, uh, you know, just a enemies list of political retribution and vendettas masquerading as a lawsuit. He wants to get away from Don Middlebrooks because when he just filed the case in Palm Beach County State Court, the Circuit Court for Palm Beach County, against Letitia James trying to stop her civil fraud case for $250 million against him 
and the children led by her office, which she's already moved to dismiss for lack of personal jurisdiction because she has no connectivity to the state of Florida for many other reasons. He, that case got transferred or what we call removed from state court to federal court by a one-page filing by Letitia James because two, two citizens of two different states that are, that are in a lawsuit together, uh, depending upon the amount that's in controversy, a party can remove it to federal court under what's called diversity jurisdiction. And where did it go? It went to Don Middlebrooks. So he he does he wants to get a, he wants to be in Florida, but as far away from the Southern District as possible in case there's a removal again. So Okeechobee lawyers from Fort Pierce. What are they claiming? Some people might be thinking that the Russia collusion defamation case. So this is this is Trump's argument in a nutshell. In when he ran for office, and at least two news organizations, there were dozens of them, but at least the Washington Post and the New York Times, did exposés in dozens of articles investigating whether the Russians, through trolls on social media, through trying to hack our election system, basically things that Putin's already admitted that he was doing, um, tried to throw the election away from, uh, towards Trump and away from Hillary Clinton. It's, it's often referred to under the rubric of the uh, Russia collusion. Trump calls it the Russia collusion hoax, although everyone in the intelligence community for America, from the CIA to everything related to the elections, um, has said and has proven that, that Putin, through a series of hackers and trolls in Russia and otherwise, both tried to hack election equipment and, and databases throughout the country, and we know this to be true, created fake Facebook and Twitter accounts to move the needle politically against Hillary Clinton and in favor of Donald Trump. And they're still doing it. So the, the, the Pulitzer was awarded that year for national reporting based on this series of stories to a, it was a, it was a co-award, one to the Washington Post and one to the New York Times. And all that happened in 2018. And we're beyond the statute of limitations for defamation related to that, meaning you have to file your suit within the limitations period assigned by law. So why are we even here? Because the Pulitzer Prize board, at the request of Donald Trump, did open up two investigations to determine whether that reporting was false, and therefore they should rescind the prize from the Washington Post and New York Times. So they listened to Donald Trump, they opened up an investigation, they hired an outside law firm, and they did two investigations. And they determined, after two years of investigation or more, that everything in there was appropriate. There was nothing wrong with the headlines. There was nothing wrong with the reporting. It was proper First Amendment uh, journalism. And they published on their website, we're getting to defamation now, they published on their website a statement in July of 2022 that basically validated their award, said it was appropriate, nothing was wrong, there were no improper facts. They didn't go on to say Trump's a liar, uh, you know, Trump... Uh, uh, you know, uh, anything about Donald Trump particularly, they just said, we stand by our prize awarding, we stand by the reporting, we've investigated it, we've looked at it, and we're not withdrawing the awards. Donald Trump says that statement on that website, which made its way through the internet to Florida and all the way to Okeechobee, apparently, is the grounds for this defamation case. Let's think about this for a minute. First of all, I'm not even sure, and, and when you take over, Ben, I'm not even sure Donald Trump can be defamed. 
at this point. He says that his reputational harm to his person, his business, and his and his property in Florida has been impacted by this one paragraph statement. I defy him at the appropriate time, if this case isn't dismissed before, to prove damage to his reputation. A guy that just went around shilling and grifting on NFT trading cards with his image created falsely by scraping images from the internet and putting his face on top of it and then selling them for millions of dollars and all the other things that have happened to him and the criminal prosecutions that are happening and will happen and indictments and convictions that his reputation is so in shambles because of a one paragraph Pulitzer Prize board saying we stand by our award. I think he's got a, a connection between potential liability and damage here. I also think this case gets dismissed for lack of personal jurisdiction um, and venue. I think it's in the wrong courthouse if it's going to be anywhere. It shouldn't be in Okeechobee County. So that's we're going to see motion practice related to that. And then I think there's going to be an attempt to move the case to federal court. Now, one thing on that, a little inside baseball. One of the Pulitzer Prize board members happens to also live in Florida, in Pinellas County, which is near Tampa. Trump allegedly lives in Florida. If that's true, and those parties have to stay in the case, that may destroy diversity jurisdiction because you can't have Florida, Florida on both sides of the V in order to remove it to federal court for jurisdiction. But even if it stays in state court, I think the case gets dismissed for lack of personal jurisdiction over any of these board members who have no connection at all to Okeechobee. And Trump doesn't even have a connection to Okeechobee County, let alone these people or to, or to Florida. And we'll, we'll see the case dismissed. But that is the entire defamation case. There's not more. It's not like Polpak's holding back. There's There's got to be more. It can't be one paragraph saying the reporting was fine. It's got to be something else. And I don't understand, Ben. This, I'll turn it over to you. I don't understand how this is even defamatory. It's, it is the Russia. It doesn't say that Trump cooperated with the Russia in their interference. He did. Trump cooperated with Russia. No, I know that. But the reporting doesn't say that. Yeah. The reporting says that it's Russia and other foreign agents worked because they thought it was in their best interest to have Donald Trump as president instead of Hillary Clinton. And they, in the horse race, they picked a side. It doesn't, yes, I agree with you that he was involved, but that's not what the reporting says. So how is it defamatory? What the, if anything, it's defamatory to the Russians if it's not true, which we know it is. It's not defamatory to Trump that he was the beneficiary of it beneficiary of it. But that's the entire case. Why he filed it? Because, you know, he's not getting enough good publicity lately, so he needs to be on the offensive and, and win some news cycle. Well, that's the point. So I'll go in, in reverse order. So he filed, we talk about this theme a lot here on Legal AF as well, and how the media is just absolutely the worst and doesn't know how to cover it. Because you get your pro-fascist right-wing media that coordinates these filings with Trump. So Trump files Fox Digital writes their story right away. Then New York Post, also owned by Murdoch, who we'll talk about in a little bit, they then publish like a sister piece to it. So now there are two uh, purported journalists, things that call themselves news, which really aren't. They masquerade as news. There are two articles that frame this as a real thing. We've talked about here on Legal Amp that when these cases ultimately get dismissed, it gets very little coverage anywhere other than here on legal AF. And so what was Trump after here? He was after the headline and he got the headline. He got a headline that he sued. If you read the articles, it feels like it's a legitimate case. They, they treat it. They don't treat it like it's this frivolous, vexatious thing. And so and then the other media network, the both sides of media, they don't know how to use words anymore. So they don't even know how to address this. 
and call it like vexatious and frivolous. Um, you know, they're too cowardly to address it. They're too afraid that they're going to get sued by him, even though they would win and, and get sanctions if he sued them for those things. So they don't use those words. And then the public's left a little bit confused unless you watch it like here on Legal AF. So the next point, how is it even potentially defamatory? It isn't. That's why at the top of the show, I called it a frivolous lawsuit, because there's nothing about it that is that has any basis. If you want to even talk about the Mueller investigation, which resulted in over 30 indictments, um, Paul Manafort, Trump's actual campaign manager, just think about if the campaign manager of Biden or the campaign manager of Obama or the campaign manager of George W. Bush um, was found guilty in two separate federal courts in D.C. and Virginia for 18 felony counts here and seven felony counts there. That's what happened to Manafort in connection with the Mueller investigation. How about Mike Flynn, who pled guilty for obstruction, who was also pardoned like Manafort and so many others in Trump's orbit who were actually found guilty in the Mueller report. Now, Mueller did, I think, a huge disservice to the nation by putting these little cute little footnotes and saying, oh, Donald Trump could be prosecuted here and here, but I'm just going to leave it to Bill Barr to make that call because I'm not going to prosecute a sitting president. That's utterly absurd. But if you want to look at Mueller, and frankly, you want to look at the Pulitzer's conduct here, you can't give Donald Trump an inch because if you give him an inch, he takes your throat. You can't give this sicko maniac a freaking inch. You got to stomp him. It's the only way you can treat and deal with these like tyrant wannabe despots like that. You crush them immediately, which I hope is what Jack Smith is going to do. And what I mean by this with respect to Pulitzer that you bring up, Pulitzer, oh, we're going to do an internal investigation and hire an outside law firm because that's what we do when we want to show and I'm sorry I'm cursing, but like, but like, no, you don't. I wasn't sure where that was going. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you, 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 you don't do that. You don't do that. And it makes me angry, frankly, because when you do that, you've now given him an extension of the statute of limitations to file the frivolous lawsuit in the, you know, in the like, like that he wanted to file in 2018. So there's no benefit to doing this person any favors and people need to learn that treat him like a criminal treat him like a con artist crush him and be done with him these lawsuits are utterly absurd and when you want to talk about what the legal system can do to stop these frivolous lawsuits they really need to disbar these lawyers full stop people like alina haba people like christina bob people like giuliani who by the way was at a disbarment uh, hearing in uh, Washington, D.C., which is a weird hearing to begin with. He had an inactive license in Washington, D.C. Yeah, but, using... but when your New York license is suspended, the only place you can have a bar license left is D.C. Yeah, so, you know, but and Giuliani's like, I'm just a lawyer, though, he, at the end. Just rip. to represent former judges in New York to represent him. And they're pretty well considered in, uh, among the New York bar circles to represent him there. 
I mean, if I were him, I would have picked up a Washington, D.C. bar, former judge, to represent him. But okay. And one of the judges, Leventhal, said to the panel, we got to keep politics out of that. Now, he's charged with trying to overturn a free and fair election by filing improper things. litigation and out of his actions when his very actions was an assault on democracy and on politics. It's a stupid comment, but it shows you, as you said, you, if you give them an inch, they take, you know, a marathon, a mile. And that's what authoritarians do. They want to exhaust you. They exhaust you and exhaust you. And then you finally say, all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then they got you. And that's why you got to stand up to it. You got to stand up. All right, Pope, let's talk about the D.C. Court of Appeals. You did a great hot take this week, as you like to call them, hot takes. Um, break us, break this down for us because it's critical. This is so big. It's so important. One of the main tools used by the Department of Justice against these inter insurrectionists is the 18 U.S.C. 1512 specifically C2 um, of uh, 18 U.S.C. 1512, the obstruction charge, which carries with it a 20-year sentence. Um, and so it's a, it's, it's a serious penalty. It's been used in addition to a number of the other charges that have been brought against these insurrectionists. And let me just pull up the statute for us right now, 18 U.S.C. 1512, so I can read for you, you know, what it is what's at stake here, um, and what the opposition to it is. But uh, let me read it for you right now. 18 U.S.C. 1512 C2 says, whoever corruptly, the two, otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding or attempts to do so shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. It seems pretty clear in the statute that that means... Oh, Ben, Ben, the, the naivete of you reading a statute and hoping that it applies to a crime. The words don't matter, you know. But here, you look, Judge Carl Nichols, who's a Trump appointee, who I think has been generally good on his insurrection rulings. This was one of the really bad ones. I guess all of his generally good for this really bad one, like this really bad one probably disqualifies... All the good, because he ruled that the obstruction charge cannot be brought against insurrectionist Popak unless it like specifically relates to like the documents. So like if they like yeah. tore up the document, the, elect the, the electoral <laughs> votes get torn if up. They, if they like tore up the votes, it's not what it says, and it, yeah. it, it could be a real you know it could be a real problem um, because if you can't charge these people with obstruction. You could charge him with some other stuff, but nothing that carries with it this 20-year sentence. So, Popak, what went down yeah. in the court of appeals? Because this was an appeal of Nichols not letting the DOJ bring the obstruction charge. So this is a potentially a devastating setback for the Department of Justice. I don't want to undersell this. Um, not only in the, in the current indictments that they have against Jan 6 insurrectionists, of the 900, 300, have been indicted, charged, and some of them already convicted of the highest count in the Department of Justice's arsenal 
which is the obstruction that you obstruction of an official proceeding, which you you outline, you know, right on point, carrying a 20 year term. As you said, the Department of Justice has other things that they can bring as crimes that don't exactly fit as well and are and have less penalties in terms of the number of years, more like five to 10 years, which ties the hands of the sentencing judge <clears throat> to sentence these people because you can only sentence them pursuant to crimes that they've been convicted of. And let me just point this out again. There are already Gen 6 insurrectionists and defendants that have already been convicted of this very count because every judge but Judge Carl Nichols in the D.C. Circuit Court and other places has already found that this is a properly applied crime to to fit these facts. He's the only one. But, and, and, and remember, uh, people have been convicted like Stuart Rhodes and Kelly Meggs of the um, Oath Keepers. The Proud Boy trial that's going on soon has those counts in it. The new Oath Keepers trial that's currently going on has those counts in it. And people have already pled guilty to it. So if this gets ripped out, it doesn't just impact future prosecutions. It changes the game and tilts the playing field in favor of the Gen 6 defendants right now. People that have been convicted of it in plea deals or otherwise would have to have it removed. So if that's the only count, they're now free. Um, Rhodes and others will argue for new trials because it was such a part of the trial presentation. They'll argue that the only way to fix it now that that count has been eliminated, if that's what's going to happen by the D.C. Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court in the future, is to retry the case. Terrible ramifications for the Department of Justice. And they use it as a giant sledgehammer in their negotiations and try to get plea deals. Why is it on life support? Because of what you and I heard in the oral argument before a three-judge panel at the D.C. Court of Appeals. The three judges that the random wheel selected, although I'm a little bit questionable about the, how random this is, considering one of them we just talked about, Judge Katsas, in another related case related to Trump that just happened. Because he worked, worked for Trump. He was Trump's, Trump's it, White House. It, it, it's worse. So here's the panel. Florence Pan, who I, who I love, it's one of the amazing picks of Joe Biden. She had been nominated by Obama. It didn't get out of committee before he, his, his, his term was over. And Biden eventually renominated her. She's the first Asian American to ever be on the D.C. Court of Appeals. And she took Katanji Brown Jackson's seat when Katanji got elevated to the, um, to the Supreme Court. But the headwinds, she's on she's in favor of applying this 2002 obstruction count that, yes, Congress created in the aftermath of the Enron scandal. Everybody forgets that one. That was like one of the major collapses of a company. It's sort of like the FTX of the day. Um, it turns out there was no there there. There was no real uh, revenue being generated by real business practices, despite uh, Enron being allegedly an energy company. And they were not properly cooperating with regulators in turning over documentation. And the law in the books at that time before 2002 didn't seem to fit. So Congress passed a new law. But just because Congress passes a new law, it doesn't say in the body of the, of the statute that you've read, this will only apply to Enron-like situations where somebody doesn't turn over documents. In fact, they use very broad language. Any, if not just tearing up, destroying, altering, mutilating documents. That is in the 
statute, but also anything else that otherwise obstructs with an official proceeding. Very, very broad. People used to argue that the Racketeer Influencing a Corrupt Organization Act, which we call RICO, only applied to mobsters, only applied to the prosecution of people in the mafia or in organized crime. And it's been expanded to, you know, the Trump Organization and other and yeah. other organizations that fit the, the, the dimensions and the definitions of that statute. Same here with this with uh, this uh, statute, although the other two Repub uh, Trump appointees, which is where this is going to turn, which is Justin Walker, just a uh, judge, Justin Walker, 39, to be frank, never tried a case in his life, never was a judge before he became an appellate judge and is a Kavanaugh apologist. How do I know that? One, he was a clerk for Kavanaugh. And two, he gave 117 interviews. I'm not making that number up. 117 interviews to support the Kavanaugh confirmation process when Kavanaugh was on life support because of allegations about sexual assault and abuse by Kavanaugh. Just you got to say it one more time. <laughs> okay. Never did a trial. Never in did a trial. Life. Was never a judge before he became an appellate never judge. A, okay. Never. I get never a judge, but like never did a trial is like like. How could he like do a, a trial? He was a, he, he served. He was. A I mean, even as a, I'm saying even when he was a yeah. lawyer, no. he had no experience Be doing things as an actual lawyer. Well, well, let's court. do it this way so people understand. If you go right from college through law school, when you come out and you're a lawyer, you're about 25. You may be a wonder kid like Ben, and maybe Ben was a little bit younger, but I was 25. So by, by 39, 38, when he was confirmed, you've been a lawyer for 13 years. He was a clerk for Kavanaugh for, for almost four. He was a clerk for Kennedy. He did a double Supreme Court clerkship. That took up two-thirds of the time that he was out of law school. Then he clerked for, then he was like an associate for a couple of years in a law firm, skipped being a judge at the trial level, and went right to being not only appointed by Trump to a court of appeals, but the most prestigious, one, just one notch, half notch below the Supreme Court is the D.C. Court of Appeals. Okay, everybody comes from it that ends up on the on the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, including Ketanji Brown Jackson, um, Kagan. Merrick Garland, had he been appointed, had he been confirmed, would have come from there. So just okay, so, so what happens at the at the hour and a half oral argument? And why do you and I think it's on life support? First of all, Kat Katsis, who not only was a Trump appointee, but in the Trump White House as a Trump lawyer, as a Trump deputy White House counsel, he didn't feel he had to recuse himself on anything related to Trump at all, as most of them don't, including the Supreme Court. They get their guidance from the Supreme Court. And if Clarence Thomas isn't going to recuse himself, nobody is. So Greg Katzen, and Greg Katzen right away said, nah, I read the statute. I think it only applies to corporate crime, like Enron. And I don't, this, there's, this was a lot of things, Jan 6, but it wasn't corporate crime. And I think the more you read it out loud, DOJ, and the more you argue, the less persuasive your argument is. Okay, so put him on the far extreme. He's going to vote no against reversing Judge Nichols, meaning he's going to vote yes to take obstruction of official proceeding out of the Department of Justice arsenal and remove it from all the convictions that have already happened. So you got Florence Pan on one side who said, 
the unprecedented nature of the attack on the Capitol, these facts, you can't fault the prosecutors to try to find crimes that are on the books that fit these facts. And obstruction of an official proceeding, can anybody doubt that the counting of the electoral votes was the what is an official proceeding and the object of their conspiracy or their actions was try to stop that counting? Why else were they there on Jan 6? The reason they broke into the Capitol I mean, nobody disputes this. It's because they were trying to stop the count. Yes, they were trying to hang in a murderous lust. They were trying to hang elected officials. That was like the byproduct. That was like for fun and games. What they were trying to do was to stop the electoral vote any way, shape, and form. And that is technically, legally, a violation of that count. So you got Florence Pan on one side. She's a vote to reverse Judge Nichols, keep obstruction on the books for the Gen 6 defendants. Greg Katzen's on the other side. So what are you left with? The 39-year-old Kavanaugh apologist who's never tried a case, who's also known as Justin Walker. And Justin Walker, first he did a little, what I like to call, pearl clutching, where he was like aghast that the advocate for the Gen 6 defendants, this guy, uh, Nick Smith, um, argued that this was, Jan 6 was the same moral equivalency, factual equivalency, as all of the lawyers that descended on Florida in Jan, in, um, 2000 in 2000 in bush versus okay, first Gore. off popak talk about not knowing your audience i was there, though, there. i was there talk about 10 here <laughs> wrong argument all right so let me make the argument then i'll tell you but, but, but also kavanaugh was one, was of, the one of the lawyers that were right. there on the bush <laughs> side who was doing all of who was doing all of that stuff by so the way michael yeah michael popak yeah. was one of the lawyers i was in i lived in west palm beach I was I was on the streets and otherwise involved with with supervising vote counting related to the what eventually became a five to four decision to give the election to George W. Bush. Um, but at in at the grassroots, it was in the streets in Palm Beach County, primarily where I lived and where I was a lawyer about vote counting. And so lawyers from all these Republican lawyers, including Kavanaugh, went down to Florida and, and they had the right to do that. The point is, that was a lawful exercise of First Amendment mm. rights, of the right to counsel. Mm. If you're a Republican or a Democrat and you want to jump into the fray, into the rugby scrum that was the vote counting process related to Florida and Bush versus Gore, that's great for every one of me that there was somebody else on the other side. Okay, he compares that and says, but that would be the equivalent of obstructing an official proceeding. And, <laughs> and Walker who clerked for Kavanaugh, and as I said, was a Kavanaugh apologist, said, wait a minute, stop. <laughs> he didn't say my boss was there. He said, you're not trying to compare the murderous attack on the Capitol with people with rappelling down the Capitol, trying to hang people, using weapons and physical violence with the lawful exercise of, of constitutional rights and First Amendment in Florida counting votes. You, 